0: The friends and partners of Kevin Inman Ministries present Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. Pastor Kevin is committed to equipping you to earnestly contend for the faith. For more information on Pastor Kevin and Contenders Radio, please visit our website at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. Hello and welcome to another edition of Contenders Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Inman, and today we're listening to part two of a recent sermon that was preached at Grace Point at Eagle Heights in Orange, Texas. This is part two of Doing Greater Works from John chapter 14, verse 15 and following. Enjoy. We're Christians. We should desire to be obedient to God. Amen? And His greater works involves keeping those commands Listen in verse 14 of John 15. John 15, 14. He says, You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. It's funny. I just noticed this. Turn to John 14, 15 again. Let's see if your brain works like mine. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now go to 15 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. I, just, I, think that's, uh, hmm. I think that's just too coincidental to be coincidental. Now, there were no verses and chapters in those things when the Bible is given to us. But I think it's funny. 15, 14, 14, 15. Huh. Maybe we need to pay attention. Amen? Amen? Keeping the commands of Jesus, obeying Jesus, will allow us to do the greater works. It proves we love Him, first and foremost. But it will then allow us to do the greater works of sharing the gospel, of witnessing to who He is. Secondly, I think we have time for one more. Secondly, doing the greater works will require us understanding the work of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at this somewhat last week. But I want us to see a few things here as time allows. What this means. What this means. Look back at, um, look back at 14 verse 16. 14, 16. Let's back up a little bit. Jesus says... I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, That is, or excuse me, that He may be with you forever. Keep sk- skipping that phrase. Let me read it again. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. Now, let's look at a few things that the Holy Spirit does. Because here, and in chapter 15 and 16, Jesus lays the groundwork. This is the most clear teaching of what the Holy Spirit's role is in our lives. Everyone likes to go... Not everyone, but but our, our, our friends in the Pentecostal and Apostolic churches really like to camp out on Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Right? Signs and wonders, speaking in tongues, those sorts of things. But folks, listen the foundation of the Holy Spirit and His role, His ministry, is laid here by Jesus Himself. And if we skip this, we'll completely misunderstand the role of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. The role of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, that role will be tainted and distorted if we don't listen to Jesus here. And He lays out for us a number of things. We'll look at a few as time allows here. Here's the first one. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit... Okay, comes from the Father to stay within the believer. To stay within the believer. Now, Jesus says, He is with you, but He will be in you, in verse 17. Now, that's important because... Here's a, here's a trivia question for you. Ready? If this is ever asked of you uh, some call-in radio show, you're going to get the answer right now. This, this will probably never be a question. But listen, just in case. Was John 14, the upper room discourse that Jesus shared with His disciples before He was crucified and resurrected and before the day of Pentecost or after? Was this chapter given before or after Pentecost? Let's make it even easier. It's before. So Jesus has not gone to the Father. He's not ascended yet. The Holy Spirit has not come yet. So when Jesus says He abides with you, that's before the day of Pentecost. He's saying He will be in you. That starts on the day of Pentecost. Jesus is preparing them for what's coming. He's going away. He's going away. Their world is going to be upside down. And what Jesus says Look, I'm coming. Oh, the Father's coming. I'm coming. But the Holy Spirit specifically will be in you the third person of our triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And so He's teaching us about the Holy Spirit. So He says, Not only will He be with you, but He will come from the Father to stay with you forever to indwell. That word's important, to indwell. It's to abide, to abide. Now, that is a very important concept. And, and, And just to make sure we understand this, again, in Romans, we looked at this, I think, last week. But we're going to look at it again, just very briefly. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9. As Paul is... The Apostle Paul is, is, is making this argument about... Uh, really it's about the conflict between our sinful nature and our new uh, godly nature. How those two things are at war and they're opposed to each other. And he, he says in Romans 8 9... You might want to jot this verse down. This is an extremely helpful verse. He says, You are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now that's important. Dwells in you. This is after Pentecost. Christians are indwelt by the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit doesn't abide with us now. The Holy Spirit abides in us. And then he finishes out this verse. He says, But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So you know what that says? Every single true Christian, anybody who's been born again, has the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. Does that make sense? There are are no Christians. There's no such thing as a Christian who is not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. There may be Christians in name only. There may be those people who call themselves Christians who have never been indwelt by the Holy Spirit because they've never really repented and they've never really been redeemed. They may have got emotional one Sunday. They may have cried. They may have even got excited one day. But there was never any change in their life. They never had the works that came with repentance. There was never fruit that came out of their repentance. Their life didn't look any different today than it did last week when they so, so before they were supposedly saved. But a real Christian... Is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. If anyone does not have the Spirit, he is not of Christ. So our our and I'm not trying to pick on our Pentecostal friends today. I, I, I grew up that way. I have family who's that way today. I have friends who are still Pentecostal, but listen, they believe that the Holy Spirit comes and goes at any moment. And when you sin, the Holy Spirit abandons you. And folks, that is that is false teaching. The Bible tells us that He indwells us. He makes His abode. It's the same word. It's the same idea. He takes up residence in us and it's permanent. Because if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Him. And Jesus said, I will come to you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And there's other proofs of that eternal salvation. But here in our text, just know the Holy Spirit comes to indwell. There's another thing the Holy Spirit we see. So if I'm going to do the greater works and live this, this victorious Christian life, I have to understand that the Spirit indwells us forever, but also that He mediates. He mediates. Look at verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring, you, bring to your uh, remembrance all that I've said. And thank God. How many of you have, uh, have uh, some timers? I have some timers. I'm not trying to make light of Alzheimer's at all. But, but I do. So I have some timers. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I remember. Anybody else out there? I see those hands. Hands are going up all over the place this morning. That's right. I see. But that's some timers. And listen, I forget. But you know what? It's amazing that, that when, when I'm in a situation to w- when I need to recall the Word of God, you know what's awesome? I recall the Word of God. But you know who's really doing it? The Holy Spirit in me is bringing to remembrance all that I've read. That's what he's doing. But here it says, and, and so that's, that's really another thing he does. He teaches us all things and reminds us of the truth. I kind of got ahead of myself there, sorry. But before, before that, the second thing the Holy Spirit does is he mediates. He's the helper. So New American Standard says that in, in verse uh, 26, but the helper. I know, I think King James says counselor, right? The counselor, some translations say the comforter. All of those words are, are, are translating the same word. And translators really have wrestled over what word in English to really, to, to really grasp the full mention and the full meaning, rather, of, of what it means for Him to, to, to comfort or to counsel or to help. The word really means He's, our, he's our, uh, the one who comes alongside of us. The Greek word means that, that the Holy Spirit comes alongside. He's, he's the one who comes along. Specifically... The primary usage of it is one who... Not comes along like when you fall down and they come along and encourage you to get up. No. It's one who, legally, when you're being being sued, it's it's the lawyer who comes along as your advocate and who defends you, who stands for you in court. That's really this idea. That's the full meaning of this. But counselor, helper, comforter... The one who comes alongside all of that is really just different aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What it's is saying is He's our mediator. He mediates between Holy Father and us. We don't need a priest, a pope. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Himself, is our advocate also, it says in First John. But God advocates between us and Himself. We don't have to go to anyone else. So He does that. He also mediates in other ways, between us and others. When I have an issue with a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, what, what is the Holy Spirit's role? The Holy Spirit the Spirit mediates between us, Christ and me, and Christ and you cannot be at odds with one another. We have to solve our problems, our issues. To not do so is sin and rebellion and not obeying the commands of God. So the Holy Spirit comes from the Father to stay forever. He mediates us—that legal kind of term. See. Or a third thing, He teaches us all things. I just read a second ago. He teaches us all things, brings those things to remembrance. We see that there in verse 26. The Helper will teach us all things and bring to our remembrance all that He has said to us. I'll try to think of a verse and I can't think of it for, for the life of me. You ever forget the addresses of them? I mean, don't, don't feel bad. They didn't used to have those addresses, right? But, but those, those addresses help us in remembering the Scriptures, like John 3.16. The address, I mean, the address is the John chapter 3, verse 16. Those things weren't there. It was just this entire letter written. They help us to find verses, to memorize verses, etc. But sometimes I'll forget the address. But usually, when I'm counseling or, or just cornered by someone, or there's a, there's a, um, a, a false teaching, someone's twisting something that, about the Bible that Jesus said, or someone has said from the Bible, and the Lord has been faithful by His Spirit to bring to mind... What's needed to stand in that situation? He does. He teaches all, us all things and brings those things to remembrance. In verse, uh, or rather, chapter, look at chapter 16, verse 13 through 15. John 16, verse 13 through 15. I'm telling you, chapter 14, 15, and 16, he just he repeats himself over and over again. It's not that he's forgetful, it's not that he's stuttering. And going, wait, I lost my place. Let me, let me get my notes, guys. Hang, hold on a second, uh, Peter. Hang on, John. Um, Thaddeus, let me see where I... Oh, yeah. And he, he repeats it. No, he doesn't repeat himself out of, out of forgetfulness. He's repeating himself for emphasis. I think he really wanted his disciples to get this. And as disciples today, I think he wants us to get this as well. Look at chapter 16, verse 13 and following. He says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you. This is the Holy Spirit he's speaking of still. The advocate, the comforter, the counselor, the helper. He will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Wow. So he will teach us all things concerning Christ. And remind us of those biblical truths. He'll do those things. But he'll also do something else. Verse 14. Verse 14. Let's see. Verse 14. Yes, of chapter 16 still. Look at what it says. It says, He will glorify me, for He will take of mine and will disclose it to you. He will glorify me. The role of the Holy Spirit is not to bring glory to Himself. And we'll see that elsewhere in in John. The role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify who? Jesus. The role of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus. So another thing, a fourth thing, we could say first that the Holy Spirit... Understanding His work means that we understand He abides with us forever. He indwells us. He mediates between us and Himself or, or us and our neighbor. He teaches us all things and reminds us of those things. And then fourthly, He focuses His ministry on the person of Christ. The Holy Spirit does not work in flashy miracles in order to bring attention to the miracles or to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws attention to Jesus the Spirit will glorify the Son. And later we'll see He'll glorify the Father and the Son. But here's another thing we need to understand about the Holy Spirit. In verse uh, chapter 16, back up to verse uh, 6... ...and just read down through 11 with me. Sorry, verse 7. "'But I tell you the truth. "'It is to your advantage that I go away.'" This is Jesus talking to His disciples. Before He's going to be arrested... ...and then crucified... ...and then dead, buried, resurrected... ...and then ascending to heaven. It's for your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Again, Him, not it. The Holy Spirit's not in it. Holy Spirit's Him. Verse 8. And He, when He comes, will convict the world... ...concerning sin and righteousness and judgment... ...concerning sin because they do not believe in Me... ...concerning righteousness... Because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, Because the ruler of this world has been judged. Folks, listen. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That is the work of the Holy Spirit today. No flashiness, no big show, But conviction, sin, righteousness, judgment. Those are the things we see he abides with us. He mediates. He teaches us all things. Brings to mind teachings of Jesus, the biblical truths, the, 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 um, the um, commands of God so that we can remember to do them. He brings all those things to mind. He focuses His ministry on Jesus. He glorifies the Son. And then lastly, convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit indwells us, and He does then part of our greater works in going into all the world involves these things. Does that make sense? We'll never understand our mission if we don't understand the power to do our mission. It comes from obeying His teaching and understanding the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's two other things I think we're going to save for next week. Trusting God and accepting His peace. But I hope what we see so far today in these three chapters. And there's a few places we're going to go back and we're going to we're going to look at a few things a little deeper like in chapter 15 of what it means to to uh, abide and to bear fruit. And who are the branches that don't bear fruit and get thrown into the fire? I mean we're going to we're going to come back and look at those things. But I want us to take this bir- this bigger birds-eye view today and see that folks listen if we love Jesus, if we love Jesus and we plan on witnessing for him, which listen, if you love Jesus, you will. Amen. We will witness for Him. We will obey Him. So, therefore, we have to. We have to obey. We have to understand the Holy Spirit. And listen, the reality is that that without the Holy Spirit, I can't obey Jesus. I can't. And neither can you. I mean, we might could for, you know, a day or two. I might could do a couple things right that he would want. But overall, the heart of man is wicked beyond all things. It is. And as Paul said, he was the chief of sinners. Man, I... Maybe I can leg wrestle him when we get to heaven. I'm weak. He'll win. But still, I, I, I'd like to throw my hat into that. And you might want to also. I feel so unworthy of the name of Christ. And yet he loves us so much that he gave himself for us. He obeyed the command of his father to, to humble himself and become obedient to death, even death on a cross. He paid the price for our sin so that we could be what? We could be the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what Jesus has done for us. I mean, why wouldn't we want to obey? And as a kid, following the rules... My mom's not here today, so it's easier for me to say this. But as a kid, it, was, it wasn't easy to, to obey. I didn't want to obey. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It goes on to say, "...the rod of correction drives it far, far away." I didn't get the rod nearly enough back then. I didn't. But folks, our sinful nature rebels against God, just like our sinful nature rebelled against our mother and our father. But that sinful nature, Christian, that sinful nature doesn't control us any longer. So I'm asking ask you to bow your heads. And there's nothing mystical. I'm not trying to get emotional or, or mystical or anything like that right now. I just want you to be able to separate out the distractions of me and the people around you. I want us to think very, very intently right now about what we've heard today. I want us to ask ourselves, are we obeying the teachings of Christ? I'm not saying we're, we're going to be perfect yet and, and there may not be days when we stumble into sin, but our life should not be marked by sin. Sin should be the exception and not the rule. It should be the exception, not the pattern of our life. I should be convicted when I sin if I'm a Christian. So do I choose to obey? Am I obeying Christ? When I disobey, does God's Holy Spirit convict me and do I repent? If not, I implore you to cry out to God and say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And so if you are here today and you are recognizing that, that God's Spirit does not indwell you, would you confess your sins now? Cry out as we said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I need you to save me, to redeem me. Put your trust in Jesus. Confess your sins. He knows them already. Ask God to forgive you. And remember and realize and know that the Lord is faithful. He will forgive us of our sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west. He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He'll purify us. And you may be confessing that for the first time today and giving yourself to the Lord. Listen, you can't have Savior Jesus without Lord Jesus. He doesn't save us and allow us to live any way we want to. He saves us for Himself. We are His now. We have to be obedient, understanding the Holy Spirit's role in our life. So if that is you today for the first time, then praise God. And we want to rejoice with you. And that will happen when you let it be known that you've been saved, that you're a new creation. That's what the Bible says. When we come to Christ in repentance, when Christ saves us, we are new. Behold, all things have passed away and new things have come. He makes you new. You're a new creation in Christ. I would implore you to be obedient and and be baptized, as the Bible says, having believed, to be baptized as a sign, as a public declaration of your faith, professing to the world like a billboard, screaming out, I belong to Jesus. If you're a Christian here today, and maybe the Lord is convicting us Christians of the lack of filling in our lives of the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit's left, it's that we're trying to hold the reins and we're not allowing God's Holy Spirit to fill us. Would you repent of that? God have mercy. I confess I, I've been trying to sit in the driver's seat. I've been trying to force you to be my co-pilot, but I realize that if I belong to you, that you are the pilot. So I I plead, God, forgive me. Forgive my sins and strengthen me, God, and or weaken me so that I depend more on you. May I find my strength in you. and May I live a life of obedience, of holiness, as I abide in you and you in me. And I pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast of Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. For more information on this or other broadcasts, please log on to our website, contendersradio.com. That's contendersradio.com. You can also find us on the web at kevininman.org. That's kevininman.org. There you will find podcast episodes, blog posts, study helps, and more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you in your pursuit of the truth.